Well, good morning, Sailorville. If you brought a copy of Scripture with you this morning, you can find Ephesians chapter 1. And if you didn't, no big deal. We'll put it up there for you, okay? So glad to see all of you here. Great baptisms, were they not? You'll get a chance to uh, encourage them afterwards. Praise the Lord. Hey, I want to recognize somebody here uh, this morning, a friend who, ta- who goes all the way back. He knows where all the bodies are buried in my life and everything. He knows all the dirt on me. Chris Branniger over here. Stand up, Chris. Let's give him a round of applause. He's from Springfield, Missouri. Friend of mine, I went to school with Chris uh, at, at Faith Baptist Bible College. We went to school together and uh, uh, just had a good friendship. And so he's back here. Good to see you here, Chris. God bless you. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, first of all, just I want to say thanks for praying for me. I was in California speaking at a men's conference last week. We had our own men's conference here over the weekend. Tremendous time here with Tony Marita. Uh, had a great time in California myself last week. Lots of experiences. Uh, and, and rather interesting going there and coming back. Uh, so it's just like me to share those experiences with you, right? So uh, actually, I was even going there. I was in Des Moines. International Airport, mind you, right? And uh, so uh, I was, have you ever gone into the TSA, you know, where you see like one or two people that are go up to the officers and they, and you got like 16 of these things you got to walk around all the way around like this. You ever ha- been there? I mean, I mean, I had like 16 of these things and there's like one other woman besides me. And we're both doing this and we encounter each other every time. And the third time we encountered each other, she looks at me and she goes, we made again. It's pretty funny. After all, we were in Des Moines International Airport. And uh, so there's more than one flight going out of here. But it just so happened, providentially, we were on the same flight. Now there are 250 so- or 225 souls on this flight. I counted them. And providentially, we sat right next to each other. And I knew in that moment that that wasn't an accident because I'd been praying about that. I love the way God works things out, don't you? Uh, We're in Ephesians chapter 1. I think I've shared this with you. My very favorite verse is the 11th verse, being where he says, knowing this, he goes, chapter 1 and verse 11, where he says, in him, everything is in him, right? 27 times in this epistle. 27, count them. In Christ. In him, we've obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the According to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. I love that. That's the whole Romans 8, 28 things. All things work what? We like that except for the together part. (laughs) Because there's a lot of stuff coming together, right? But everything in your life, no matter where you're at right now, no matter what's happening in your life now, you need to know this. Everything, good, bad, wonderful, awful, it's all marked out by God. That's what the word predestined means, to mark a path or mark out. You're not an accident. Your life is not an accident. Your struggles are no accident. Your hot mess you're in right now doesn't matter. God knows. That doesn't make you unresponsible. You are responsible. But God is sovereign and he's working all things after the counsel of his own will. That's very nice of him, is it not? And speaking of marked out, we're going to talk about another mark today and this plethora of gifts that are coming out of one chapter in the Bible. All of these gifts, are, and we, we're doing it like this just to give this eye-popping 
like, wow, there's a lot coming out of Christ. Amen? So anyway, so I'm sitting next to Caitlin. That's, that was her name. And uh, I knew it was no coincidence. It wasn't just a sovereign stance either. I prayed for this. God worked it out, but I don't know how he does it in the mystery of things. Don't ask me to explain that. But I'd ask God to give me an opportunity. Here I was sitting next to Caitlin, who I'd encountered in the TSA thing, you know. And uh, so, uh, so we're sitting there, and we just, we ch- she goes, where are you going? I said, I'm off to California. I'm speaking at a Christian men's event. Uh, I said, uh, how about you? Are you a religious person? She goes, yes, in fact, I'm a Mormon. I said, oh, that's really interesting. And, uh, and just then the, pilots, the pilot came over the PA, followed up by the stewardess, followed up by all the ambient noise, followed up by the roar of the engine, because we were toward the back, and off we were going, and she'd had a book in her hand. It was like, ugh. But I was wondering, Lord, this wasn't an accident. I was looking at the 126th Psalm the other day, and I want you to see it with me, because every time I read this psalm, I think of my, the day I got saved. Here's how the psalmist starts out. Look at it, will you? When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. That was me on the day I got saved, and for weeks to follow. It was just a dreamy state for me. And the following goes along with it. When then our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy, then they said among the nations, say it, everyone, The Lord has done great things for them. That is, others were looking at Israel and saying, the Lord has done great things for them. And do you think they would have agreed with that? The very next verse. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are what? Are you glad? No, I'm asking you. Are you glad? Uh, Because if you're in Christ, you can be. I mean, behold... All that comes out of being in Christ. Just, again, look at it. It's just, I don't want to say it together. I tried that in last service and realized nobody over here sees these and this and that, but I'm going to say it anyway. So we are blessed, we're chosen, we're predestined, we're loved, we're adopted, we're accepted, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we have grace, we have an inheritance, and it's all brought to you by being, say it, in Christ. It's all there, and then some. We're going to add two more as we unwrap God's masterpiece this morning. And, but we got to back up the train just a little bit, okay? So I'm not going to read the entire sentence, if you recall, 3 through 14, one sentence in the original. But I want you to back it up to verse 7 for the sake of the context. Here's what it says. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. I want to pay attention to that line, making known the mystery of his will. Okay? That's what we sort of skipped over. So I I want to spend a little time there. What is it? When the Bible speaks of a mystery, it's not like the novels you read or the movies you watch, but it, it, it carries the idea of something that was formerly hidden or, you know, hidden somewhere, but now it's revealed, okay? Uh, and so that's the idea in the word mystery. In fact, even Jewish literature in the first century said a mystery was the secret plan of God made clear in the end. That's pretty close right there. 
And we're going to get into this more detail in chapter 3. But in Christ, we have privileged, we, there's a, there, we have the mystery revealed. We have, go ahead and say the word as I pull it out and as it becomes apparent. We have insight in Christ that wasn't there before, previous. And so that's what I want to talk about for a few moments. God's special insight, which includes things like new revelation. Remember, the word mystery means something that was formerly hidden. It's now disclosed. And the best illustration of this is the Lord Jesus on the day he rose from the dead. If you're familiar with your Bible, it doesn't matter if you are or you aren't, but on the day he rose from the dead, Luke 24 records this unique story. Only Luke talks about it. Here is Jesus walking along the road leading to Emmaus, and there are two disciples, two followers of Jesus. And Jesus sees that they are really down because all they know of Jesus is he's dead. And he asks them, why are you so downtrodden? What, what's, what, why are you so upset? And uh, they say, are you the only one on the planet that doesn't know? And he said, no, what? They said, well, Jesus, who is mighty in word and deed, you know, he was, did miracles and all this, and we had hoped, past tense, that he was going to bring redemption to Israel. And with that, Jesus looks at them, Remember, they don't, they, I, I neglect to tell you, they couldn't tell who he was. He disguised himself. He says, you foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets of old have talked about. And then he took them through a walk through the entire Old Testament. And, and so, um, just by the way, think about it. If you can, it's almost impossible, but pretend there is no New Testament. All you have is the Old Testament, only. That's the only thing you have to reveal God or his plan. That would be tough, wouldn't it? Augustine said the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And he was right. It's a mystery. And in Christ we have new revelation. This is why Jesus, as he's walking along the road, disguised to these two disciples, he says to them, wasn't it necessary that the Christ should suffer these things before he enters into his glory? Just try to get into their, their heads. Imagine the wheels turning in their heads as he's unpacking these prophecies of the past. Amazing. By the way, if you haven't done so, you need to treat yourself to a conversation about 30, 35 minutes between John MacArthur and Ben Shapiro. If you know, don't know who Ben Shapiro is, he's a young, bright, witty, super intelligent uh, political commentator and avid debater. He doesn't shrink back from any debate. And so John MacArthur, sitting with Ben Shapiro, unpacks Isaiah 53 as you've never heard it unpacked in a conversation before. He, he is he is brilliant. And Ben Shapiro, never one to back off from a debate, is almost mums the word. Because he can see. This is, it's all about Jesus. This is, the revelation is there. This new revelation is there. Now, he doesn't acknowledge it. He sort of beats around the bush. But if you've ever heard him debate, he just basically destroys people. But he couldn't destroy the truth. Amen. Because the truth isn't bound. And in Christ, we have the mystery of godliness. We have new revelation. And we have a clear salvation. So by the time Jesus is, uh, is done, he's invited into the home of these two disciples. Because they're just like, oh my goodness, this guy is unbelievable. They bring him in. 
And if you recall the story, he breaks some bread. I happen to think that perhaps his wounds were visible. And the Bible tells us in that moment, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Have you ever wondered how people got saved in the Old Testament? Just raise your hand if that's you. All right, that's good, because the rest of you, seriously, you've wondered, right? I have. Well, they got saved the same way they get saved now, by faith. Abraham, the Bible says, Genesis 56, believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So everyone who's ever come into a relationship with God has done so through the vehicle of faith. But it was a faith the New Testament brought a clarity because that the Old Testament didn't have. They were placing their faith in the one true God. But now we have a revelation. We have God who became man, who gave us the image of the Father, right? That's why John tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 18, that the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, referring to Jesus, he has, the Greek says, exegeted him. That's a pretty cool word, by the way. He's made him. Real. He's made him visible. Remember what Jesus said? He's, remember when he said to one of the disciples, look, if you've seen me, you've what? You've seen the Father. You talk about clear. We have a clear salvation. Problem is some of you still have closed eyes. God hasn't opened your eyes yet. They still need to be opened. Keep listening. God has given us a clear salvation in Christ in the insight. Finally, the divine illumination comes out of this as well. So God has given us a clear message. A clear message is my, it's, it, my duty is to make the gospel clear to you so that you can believe. But who is it that makes the gospel clear to your heart? I can't do that. It's not possible for me to make it clear to your heart. I can make it clear, and it's my duty to do so, but only the Spirit of God can make it clear to your heart. Adrian Rogers once said, whatever I talk you into, somebody else can talk you out of. But what God talks you into is yours for life. And I say amen to that. And that's divine illumination. And when God, this is when God turns the lights on. This is what is meant in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, where Paul says that the natural man, the sukkakos, the soulish, the man who's without the Holy Spirit in him to show him divine illumination, that natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them. Why? Because spiritual things are spiritually understood. Until God flips the light, you're in the dark. That's why I've said oftentimes that if you are here without Jesus... You're like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there. You're just not going to see it because only God can flip the light on. So imagine here I have lots of kids, so I don't have to name them. You just have to guess which one I'm talking about now. Uh, my son marries this beautiful young lady. She's super sweet. She's incredibly shy. Uh, she apparently knows Jesus. She comes in. We get them married. She joins our church. She pushes all the right buttons. And uh, one day, my wife and I are driving up to camp where I was going to be a speaker, and my phone, up comes a text from my daughter-in-law who says, I just want you to know, as you preached the gospel yesterday, the lights came on. I got saved. 
I showed it to my wife. She went, both of us did it. And let me tell you something. She was not involved in drugs and alcohol, and she wasn't, she wasn't vile. She wasn't sleeping around. She was a very nice person, but she was a nice lost person, just like some of you. Without Jesus, not in Christ, and God flipped the lights on, and she was saved. And let me tell you something. That woman got saved. She was converted. I praise the Lord for that. When the Holy Spirit turns the lights on in your heart, that's when you can see, that's when you can believe, just like those disciples, when Jesus broke the bread, they said their eyes are open. They said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us? When he talked to us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us, and they go out and they say, the Lord is risen. That's somebody who's believed, amen? If God has started to open your eyes to see, and if you feel this sense of, yes, God, you're, you're, God has drawn me in, then believe, believe. And if you do, you'll be given that insight as a gift, the insight that comes through the New Testament knowledge of God through the Holy Spirit. And then for the balance of our time, this, we're going to go to chapter 1, verse 13. Look at this. We'll put it up there for you. In him... Because everything is, amen? In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the logos of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and say it, believed in him. Look at the sequence. When you heard, you believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the, say it, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so I want to talk about this. Say it, everyone. We're sealed. This is an awesome gift right here. Absolutely awesome. Sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Notice the sequence. First, they had to hear. Do you see that? The first thing you got to do is you got to hear. This Greek word, akuo, means to hear with attention. You, you actually are paying attention. Some of you are just not paying attention right now. Your mind is somewhere else. You're thinking of something else or someone else. And you're not hearing. Remember what Jesus said? He who is of God, John 8, 47. He who is of God hears God's words. Have you ever heard, have you ever read that? It carries the idea, you, you, you listen with attentiveness. I still remember my wife and I were with some friends a couple years ago. And the wife said to my friend, his wife said to his, well, let's put it this way. My friend made a comment about something that he was just made aware of. And she said, honey, I told you about this like two weeks ago. He turned to her and he said, honey, how often do I have to tell you? Don't ever talk to me unless I'm listening. <laughs> I thought, this is brilliant. <laughs> I tried it myself. Didn't work real good. <laughs> but that's the way some of you are. You hear, but you're not listening. You're not listening. You're like... Talk about back in the day. Chris, do you remember when I used to teach a Sunday school class up here and the choir was over here? Do you remember that? So uh, Chris was there. You can tell you whether I'm lying on this or not. But anyway, so I'm teaching my guts out. I'm being fervent about this. And there are several students and one young lady, also a college student, the daughter of the president of the college, who gave me permission to share this story some time back. Uh, she always sat very attentive very sweet. She was a National Honors Award winner in this thing called Talents for Christ, so sharp girl, and never talked. 
but what I found out, one day she came and knocking on my wife and I's door, and she came in and she said, I just want you to know, every time I come into your class, I open up my Bible, and then I slide, op- slide a smaller book on top of it, and I start reading my book. I haven't been paying attention to you for months. She goes, but today, I heard you. And I realize I'm not a Christian. And this very religious, well-known girl got on her knees on our living room floor and placed her faith in Jesus. Because she finally heard the truth. The logos, the word of truth, the logos of truth, the message, watch, the gospel of your salvation. You see it there? That's what saves you. That's what saves you, the good news, the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for you according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead according to the scriptures. You see yourself as a sinner. You hear the gospel. You repent. You turn to Jesus who he and he alone can save you. So it clicks. Has it clicked? And when it does click, look what it says. Again, back to Ephesians chapter 1. He says, you hear the, the, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him. That's the word pistuo. It's a Greek word which means to make a total commitment. When you really believe in Jesus, it's not just intellectual, but it is intellectual. Your mind gets involved. Your heart gets involved. Your will gets involved. All of you gets involved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, then you'll be saved. Your mind, your heart, your will, you are changed. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. And that's what it means to believe. And then you're sealed. You're sealed. That's what it says. Look at it again. End of verse 13. You're sealed the promised Holy Spirit was the guarantee of our inheritance that we acquire possession of it to praise of his glory. We're sealed. This isn't the only time in the New Testament that God talks about sealing us with his Holy Spirit. In fact, in, fact, in this very same letter, in chapter 4, Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. You've read that? It's right there, page over. Well, think about it. You're, you're sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I don't know. That, that should invoke some questions here. For the day of redemption. When is, when was the day of redemption? Yeah, that's a trick question. Don't even try to answer it just yet. Was it the day Jesus died? According to chapter 1, verse 7, it is. In him, we have redemption through his what? Through his blood. That takes us to the day Christ died. Is it the day that I believed? Well, according to the text we're on right now, it is. I heard, I believed. Then I was sealed. Is it referring to the day Jesus returns? Well, according to chapter 4, verse 30, it is. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. It's all there. So what is it? It's all of them. Remember, the Trinity is involved in your salvation, just to let you know. They're all mentioned, the, whole, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in chapter 1. When, when, we baptized, when we baptized our couple back here, Aaron and Brittany, did we say, we baptize you in the name of Jesus? Is that what they said? No, we baptize you in the name of the what? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
Why? Because the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all involved in your salvation. And they're, in a real sense, you can say, I, if you are saved, you can say, I am saved. There is, all right, so you can say that. You can also say, I am being saved. But not too many people talk like that. And you can also say, I will be saved. How do I know that? Well, let me just give you one, one scripture. In, in uh, Romans chapter 8, it's talking about the Holy Spirit and the way he works in our lives. And it tells us in verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly, watch this, as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our what? Bodies. Now let me ask you, is your body saved? Go like this. Because I'm looking out there and there's a lot of bodies that need to get saved. That's all there is to it. Mine does too. But your body will be saved on the day of redemption. It, you become a, a brand, you'll, you'll be given a brand new body. Hallelujah. Amen. A lot of you could use them like right now. But that's something everyone in Christ has to hope for. All of us do. Until then, listen to this. It's, let me give you three, three aspects of sin. When you trusted Jesus, if you did, you were saved from sin's penalty on that day. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Hallelujah. In life, you're saved from sin's power. You can make choices. You don't have to capitulate to sin if you know Christ. You have the Spirit of God living in you, and as you submit to him, God gives you power. You're, sin, you're saved from sin's penalty at salvation on the day you were saved. You're, sin, you're saved from sin's power throughout life, and when you get to heaven, you're saved from sin's presence forever, never to be tempted again, never to have these debilitating issues and such in your life and in your body. Amen? All brought to you by the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. So, the last thing we're going to do here is we're going to look, we're going to bear down on what, it, on what the seal itself is, okay? I want to I give you, just talk about the seals in Bible time basically declared three things. And this is going to have some practical ramifications for you, okay? Uh, here's what they did. Seals, if, you think, if you're picturing a ring and a signet ring, and do a, that's, a good, that's, that's what you should be picturing, okay? That's a good thing to picture. One thing in picture was the transaction was completed. When Jesus died on the cross, as he hung on the cross, he said, tell us to lie. It is finished. It's paid in full. There's nothing else that has to be paid for. Christ paid it all. Somebody says to me, every once in a while I'm sharing Jesus with somebody, and they'll say, I just don't feel worthy. And I say, well, you're not. I don't tell them they are, because they're not. Well, neither am I. But Jesus is. Put your faith in him. Worthy is the lamb who is slain. Amen? And a seal in Bible time said the transaction was completed. A seal, and this is, I really want to spend some time here, because the seal in Bible time said the ownership was confirmed. All right? The seal, again, picture that signet ring with the impression, with the sign of the owner himself, which, by the way, would have had... Uh, the Ephesians, this would have been very a striking, no pun intended, uh, 
imagery in their mind because in the harbor of Ephesus, Ephesus was a timber town. Timber would be brought in from other places, floated in on logs. And every, there'd be various owners of these logs. And the only way they would know whose log belonged to who was the, was the imprint that was put on those logs. And that would have been on their mind as Paul wrote these things. The seal confirms authenticity. Let me show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible when it comes to wondering if somebody's saved or not. Here it is. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this, say it, everyone, seal. What does the seal say? I love this. The Lord knows those who are his. That's what it says. How cool is that? To say God knows. How? He sees his seal on the heart of the individual. That's how. Signet rings in Bible times served as signatures do today. So um, recently, on Thursdays, I take the young pastors and directors and interns out, and we wrestle over the text. We struggle over theological, practical issues. One of my favorite highlights, don't tell them I said that, but it really is one of my highlights of the week. And we just have a great time. And as we were, I mean, I got caught up, and as I was leaving, going out to my car, the waiter chased me down and said, you can't leave yet. You haven't signed the bill. You haven't signed the receipt. My signature on the credit card receipt authorized my payment, right? God's signature on the heart of every true believer says, I own you. You're mine. And the ink is the blood of his own son. It's a little early for Christmas, but Charles Wesley's hymn comes to my mind. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Adam's likeness now efface, stamp thine image. What? In its place. Some of you still have the image of Adam. You are lost It needs to be effaced. Only Christ and his blood can do that so that God can stamp his image upon you. One more thing the seal does. It's the promise. It says the promise was certain. You see it there, right? Verse 14, look at it again. What what goes on here? When the Spirit of God becomes the seal, who is the what? He's the guarantee of our inheritance. That's what he is. He is the guarantee if you're rocking an old King James, it uses the word earnest. I said that in the first service, and some old guy says, hey, man. He had his King James with him. You, know, you go buy a house, and you put down earnest money, right? What does the earnest money say? It's saying, here's the down payment. I promise to make the rest of it, right? By the way, this word guarantee can also be, tra- I love this, it could also be translated engagement ring. Remember what Jesus said in John 14? Don't let your heart be troubled. And some of your hearts are troubled. Times, things that are happening in this world right now, in your life. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me too. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I'm going there to make room for you. And if I go, I will come again to receive you, what? To myself that where I am, there you may be. Now let me ask you something. Is that a promise? Yes, that is a promise. Jesus made a promise to us, and the Holy Spirit in you as a seal is the engagement ring that he will complete what he promised. Hallelujah. 
Of course, guarantees are only as good as the worthiness of the person behind it. But that's why another passage in 2 Corinthians says this, God has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts. Go ahead and say praise the Lord. But wait for the end of it as a guarantee. How cool is that? As a guarantee. So I'm coming back from California. And... uh, I had to go by way of Dallas. So I'm flying into Dallas. As soon as I land, as soon as I hit terra firma, my phone lights up. Storms are coming through Dallas, and your flight to Des Moines is canceled. We have rearranged one for Tuesday. It was Sunday. I said, this can't be. And, of course, half the, and the, rest, half the other plane wasn't going to go anywhere either. So we're in this excruciatingly long line of rebooking. And I go in there and say, I mean, my thing says it's going to be like Tuesday before I can go home. I mean, that's two days from now. And she goes, oh, Mr. Nimmer, I don't know why they said that. I mean, don't worry about it. Hey, we got you going home early tomorrow morning. I said, way to go, girl. Thank you so much. I'll stay one night in my flea-bitten hotel. I took my ticket. I was happy, boy. I walked out. I'm thankful for this. I'm, of course, you're supposed to always be thankful, right? I'm thankful for this. I'm waiting for my shuttle, and I'm thinking, I should probably see what time I'm supposed to be here to make sure I don't, I'm not late for my flight. And I looked at my ticket, and here I was, booked for Boise, Idaho. <laughs> well, I didn't want to go to Boise. That wasn't my home. So, of course, I spent quite a bit of time with the, uh, that late into the, almost one in the morning before they finally figured it all out and rebooked me. And guess what? I got to come home on Tuesday. <laughs> but it was worth the wait. Because even though I had to wait, my destination was secure. I was still going home. Some of you right now are going through some really hard times. And I don't know what those hard times are. Your marriage might be on the rocks for all I know. You got kid problems. There might be issues with your employment. You might have health. Some of you had serious, serious health issues. And you don't like waiting. I don't like waiting either. But if you are in Christ, sealed with the spirit of the living God, it's worth the wait. Your destination is still secure. Amen? Still secure. And rest in that. So, we're getting ready to take off from Des Moines. I'm sitting by Caitlin. We get interrupted by everything. We're finally up in the air. And I'm I'm wondering, God, am I going to get another opportunity? I look over, she's reading a book. Eh. And then I see what book she's reading. She's reading... Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, a Christian book. I go, oh, I thought that was a good opportunity to talk to her. I said, I see you're reading a Christian book, uh, The Five Love Languages. She goes, oh, yes, I love it. Somebody lend it to me. I'm enjoying it. She looks at me and she goes, why don't you just tell me your core beliefs? What exactly do you believe? I couldn't hardly believe it came out of her mouth. (laughs) I almost said, 
I almost looked at her and said, you know, nobody asked me that question. I, let me think for a little while. <laughs> for the rest of the trip, I was able to share the claims of Jesus with her. Not, I mean, she was very sweet and very attentive and listening. And when we were getting ready to land, she said, would you be my friend on social media? And I said, I would love to be your friend. And as we befriended one another on social media, I thought, oh, God. Bring this young lady into the saving knowledge of your son. That she would hear, believe, be sealed, and be my friend forever. That's my prayer. And that's my prayer for you. Because some of you are here, but you're like my daughter-in-law was. Or you're like the daughter of the president of the school. You're, you hear... But it's just ambient noise. Just noise. You haven't turned from your sin and placed your faith in the one who died and rose for you. Really, not really. And you're full of excuses. But maybe, maybe some of you here today are watching online, you would say, ah, oh, my heart's on fire. I want this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And if you are saved and you have to wait in some mucky muck, it's worth the wait. Amen? Your destination, your ticket's been punched. Wait until the redemption because it does draw nigh. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time we could be in your word. Look at these gifts unpacking themselves right out of your word and we thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who was the one who turned the lights on to begin with, and then applied the blood of Jesus to our life when those of us who trusted Jesus believed and we were sealed with that promised Holy Spirit, the guarantee, the very guarantee that what you start, you will finish. And I do pray for those here in this room or watching online, oh God, who would say, that's me, I'm like your daughter-in-law, I'm like that I'm like the, the president's daughter years earlier. That's me. If that's you, repent of your sin. Turn to Christ right now. And then make the rest of us wait with great joy in the midst of whatever, knowing that our destination is secure. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Let's stand.